everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Thanks for tuning in to the Tremendous Leadership, Leaders on Leadership podcast. Today, our special guest is Donna Skell. Donna is the executive director of the 40-year-old ministry out of Dallas, Texas called Roaring Lambs. And before that, she and her husband own a chain of ladies' health clubs worth over $10 million with over 600 employees. So you're going to hear a great interview from a nonprofit and a, poor, and a for-profit leader on what it took Donna to pay the price of leadership. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to our podcast, the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, titled Leaders on Leadership, where we interview tremendous leaders and we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk to them about what they had to do to pay the price of leadership. And today, I'm so excited. I have a dear friend on our interview today. Her name is Donna Skell. And Donna serves as the executive director of the 40-year-old nonprofit called Roaring Lambs. And she'll tell us a little bit about that. Prior to that, she and her husband owned a $10 million chain of ladies' health clubs with over 600 full and part-time employees. So we know she'll have a good perspective on leadership. She is. She has an international radio show called A Time to Dream and is the co-author of four books called Stories of Roaring Faith, Volumes 1 through 4. She's been married for 40 tremendous years, and besides her husband, she loves God, people, ministry, and business. Amen, Sister Donna. What a delight to have you here today. Thank you, Tracy. I'm glad to be with you. It's so see your face again, and, and I hope that what is this morning can help a lot of people. Uh, well, we're so excited. And Donna, you bring a really unique perspective to leadership. You and my father go way back. Um, we've been affiliated with the Roaring Lambs Ministry since I came back. And I want to give a shout out to you and thank you for just coming alongside me, coming back into this whole new thing and just what you do to bless people and, and further, further kingdom work. Well, I loved your dad so much. We didn't have uh, a lot of communication, but whenever I saw him, there was something that happened. I would walk away richer, um, and I just learned so much from your dad. He was a tremendous uh, influence and, and mentor in my life. Thanks, Don. Well, he and my mother both loved you. They thought you were elegant, godly, just ethical. Just They thought you were the cat's meow. So thank you for blessing my parents. Okay, so we're here today to talk about a book my father wrote called The Price of Leadership. And in it, he talks about how leadership is joyful and full of triumphs, but it's also full of a lot of trials and tribulations. So Donna, I'm so excited to hear about your input as these prices of leadership, both from your for-profit and your non-profit days. So the first one he talks about is loneliness and how as leaders, um, it's lonely at the top. And there's going to be times where we kind of feel like maybe we're out there on our own. But can you share with our listeners what loneliness means for you as a leader, maybe when you've experienced and how you got through it? Yes, I can. In fact, um, I'll never forget when we first started our company, we moved from Nashville, Tennessee to Dallas, Texas. We didn't know a soul. And the first thing we had to do was put an ad in the paper and and recruit and hire some folks to join our team and and help build this company mm -hmm. and um you know there were a couple of gals that we hired immediately that i just really liked i was really drawn to and i i would have really liked them as a friend but i knew as a leader that i couldn't 
establish the kind of relationship, the kind of friendship uh, that I really wanted with them. There had to be a little bit of a distance Mm. from me, the owner of the company and their boss and them. And because I didn't know anybody else in Dallas, that was a difficult time. I wanted to have some friends, but I certainly had to meet those friends outside my company. There was one gal in particular, her name was Terry, and if she didn't work for us, she and I would have been very best of friends. We had a lot in common. I really enjoyed her company. I liked her a lot. And it was hard. It was difficult to maintain uh, the relationship of employee-employer rather than just be friends. Uh, There were a couple of times we'd go out to lunch and, you know, even conversations that we had had to be a little bit different than conversations I would have had with my best friend. I probably would have expressed some frustration at work, but As the boss, her boss, I couldn't do that. I had to maintain a certain relationship with her. So it is hard when you're the the, uh, leader and uh, you have friends uh, or you have people that you want to be friends with, but it's a different relationship from a leader and let's say a team member or employee and uh, a friend. So just understanding the difference in relationships that you can have was one price of leadership that I paid. And then later in my life, like now, um, all my friends are retired. I mean, they're having a good time. They're going to lunch a lot. They're going shopping a lot, maybe not right now during COVID, but they're doing a lot of activities. And uh, I don't get to participate in them because uh, I'm here and there are things that I need to do for our ministry. and, And I love my work. I enjoy my work, but I've had to sacrifice some of the Uh, good times and uh, just the off times that I would have with my friends for uh, what I need to do at work. So there's a loneliness in that when they talk about uh, what they did and how much fun they had. And and I know that uh, at this time in my life, that's just not for me. So those are two examples of how I really experienced loneliness at the top. <laughs> well, I, that I really appreciate that. And that first one, you know, coming from the military, that was, they call it fraternization. And we all work together and we all would lay down our lives for one another, but you still have to maintain just boundaries. And it right. doesn't mean that you're not a good leader, but that is tough because we all want to be liked, but um, you have to... You have to just maintain that kind of thing. And I love the part about, you know, just got married and he's retired. And I'm like, okay, I would love to just spend the rest of my life gallivanting all over the world, but I can't because these are the great years where I'm really growing my ministry. And so thank you for sharing that, Donna. I'm not the only, I'm glad I'm not the only one going through that. Hey, we'll, we'll relax when we're in heaven, right? No, we'll still be working there. So, but it'll be good. We won't, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks. Well, and you mentioned fraternization. When I um, first worked for another company, they had a, uh, you couldn't fraternize with other employees. But um, I fell in love with my boss and I married my boss. 
And he was my boss for full, um, 10 years. And I think I've been his boss for the rest of our marriage. But um, it was one of those times when we uh, broke the rule. Uh, he, he could have been very lonely, but we even against the scene. Oh my gosh, that is fun. Well, we just got done. Have you ever watched Longmire, the series Longmire on Netflix? I have not. Okay, well, in it, he's a sheriff. It's really good. It's this Western. And he's the sheriff and his his deputy, and he, there's this kind of thing. And so me, because I'm the rule abider, you can tell this is maybe going to happen. And I'm just like, one of them has to quit their job because they cannot be in the direct chain and have a relationship. <laughs> And in the end, they did get together and then he stepped down. So all is at peace in the world. Love conquers all. And they still followed the rules. But you, that's so funny, Donna. I love that. And it works out sometimes. Yeah. So good for you. All right. So the next one my dad talked about was weariness. And um, you know how running and building an organization and taking care of people, it is daunting. And keeping your eye on the prize and running the race, is it takes a lot of energy. Can you share with me how you stay refreshed? And what are some of the pitfalls that we don't need to let drain us, but do? And, and just share with me, um, you've been doing this a long time and very well. So how, how do you stay strong and run the race well? Well, I heard a quote once. It said, all the good things are on the other side of being tired. And so uh, I just have to remember that when I'm tired, that means something good is going to happen if I just persist. I love that. Another thing that I have to remind myself is there's always enough time to do the things that God wants us to do. And for me, that's really important because if it seems like I don't have time for something, I have to ask myself, maybe maybe God doesn't want me to do that right now. Maybe he has something else that he wants me to do. And so I'm just mindful. There's always enough time to do uh, the things that God wants us to do. That is such and I know, oh man, that's really good, Donna. I'm sorry. Go, go on. And I know from being in the exercise business for so long that exercise gives you energy. Now, for most people, they would think, oh, I'm too tired to exercise. But I know, I know from experience that when you go out and take a walk or when you uh, do something like run up and down the stairs in your building for a couple of minutes, you will be refreshed. Mm -hmm. It will get the blood circulating. It will get the endorphins flowing to your brain. It will give you um, fresh energy. And with fresh energy, you can do more things. Mm -hmm. So even though, you know, being a leader is tiring, uh, there are things that you can do. try to have fruit in my office. And every now and then when I feel like my blood sugar is going down, I'll have a plum or I'll have some grapes or something that will just, um, not that I'm even hungry, but that would energize me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there are a lot of things that we can do uh, that really can help us energize. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the body's a temple. I mean, we do, we are in mortal flesh for right now. And so taking care of that. So that's interesting. So there's, there's a weariness to just drain, but then there, you got to pay attention to your body too, if there's a physical weariness. Right. Right. Yeah. And I was thinking physical first, mm-hmm. but um, 
awareness in business, uh, sometimes I just need to change the task I'm doing. If I'm doing working on something, if I'm working on an event and I'm planning an event and I'm, I'm putting all my energy into planning the event and then uh, I start to think about who will attend this event or how I will market this event and it gets too much, I just need to go and find someone to pray for. Or I need to go and uh, send a note to someone I've been meaning to. Just changing the task will, will help with weariness. That's what I found. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you. That's incredible. That's And you know what? I know I felt that. I didn't, never understood it the way you put it so eloquently, but that is a great way to combat weariness. Yeah. And pay attention. But I love what you were talking about. Hey, there is enough time to do the things that God wants us to do. And if we're weary, perhaps it's him telling us, I didn't author this. So don't waste your time and energy on this kind of thing. Well, maybe find some time in the evening when instead of watching TV, you can accomplish something that you didn't get to do at the office. Absolutely. So instead of draining yourself during your work days, maybe save a little piece for something to do in the evening when you're home and you do have free time. Well, I'm so glad you hit on that too, because Leah, my co-leader and I were talking about that too. And I get a lot, I'm a night owl um, and I get a lot done in the evening. And so during the day, there's other things I'm doing, but some people, it's really what works for you. And we've had some leaders say, Hey, at five, I make sure I've done everything I can. And then I go home and that works for them. But I'm kind of like you, if that's, if that's not what works for you. I'm very much, a, I save a couple hours in the evening, not because I'm a workaholic, but because there's other things I can get done. And God gives me the time and um, the resources of the wisdom to go focus on that in the evening. So I really, that's a great tip for our leaders too. Yeah. And in the evening, there's less distractions and there's I, a more relaxed environment. I mean, I'll climb on my bed with my computer and uh, I can get more done in an hour. The phones aren't ringing. I'm not thinking about anything other than what I'm focused on and I can be intentional and get it done. So mm -hmm. yeah, it doesn't always, I'm, I'm fortunate I have the kind of work that is not necessarily a nine to five. I'm an early riser. I'm not a night owl. I'm up at 4.30 and my most productive time is early in the morning. So, you know, I spend time with the Lord, I, I exercise, but then I've got an hour or so that is my best time. And even if I'm still in my nightgown and I don't have my makeup and my hair done, I can get more done in that hour in the morning before I even get to the office. So I think for leaders, finding the best time and don't get into that rut of having to do your work in a certain time period, but do in your most productive time period. I love that. Awesome. Being in tune with yourself. Fantastic. Thanks, Donna. Okay. So the next thing he talks about is abandonment and we're good multitaskers. You know, we, we see things people don't see. And consequently, sometimes we get too much on our plates. How do you, when he talks about abandonment, my dad talks about, we need to abandon what we want and like to think about in favor of what we need and ought to think about. How do you as a leader stay focused? Because you know, you're looking forward to an unknown future and not every opportunity is from God. And how do you stay, how do you stay focused on what you need to focus on? Well, and I think it meant for me would be people pleasing. 
because um, get asked to be on a lot of committees or to be on some boards or or to be part of this or part of that. And they're all good things. But but I have to know when to say no. And so I have to ban uh, those side opportunities to stay focused on what God wants me to do. Um, I think that's my biggest issue with abandonment. I don't feel abandoned, but um, I have to abandon the things that distract me from what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. I love that. And how do you do that? Do you write down tasks or, you know, I know it's something we all get better with this age because we we know the price of, you know, lost resources, but how do you stay really hyper-focused? Well, I have to learn how to say no. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't like to say no to people. Um, And in the beginning of my career, I said yes to everything because I wanted to meet as many people as I could. I wanted my resume to look good. I wanted to be out there so I'd have an opportunity to share about what I was doing. I literally said yes to everything. Mm -hmm. Then I reached the point in my life when I realized I don't have to say yes to everything to be successful. Mm -hmm. I can be more successful by picking and choosing and uh, saying no to some great opportunities, but not for me, not at this time. That was hard for me. And I've had to learn how to abandon those opportunities that even though they're good, they weren't the best for me. I love that. And that's tough for us because, you know, I know you say people pleaser, but I know you also just want to help people and provide value. So it's it's tough to say that. Um, It was funny because just the the other day I got an email from somebody, you know, starting the podcast, requesting guests. And the one person graciously said, hey, thank you so much, but I have three things I'm focusing on right now and I need to really stay focused on that. So thank you, but no. And I'm like, there you go. That's abandonment. That's really staying staying hyper-focused on it. So I, I really appreciate that. And that is important as leaders. You know, it's the old good to great. There's so many things we could do good, but we need to really channel our resources towards the one great thing that we're being led towards. So thanks for sharing that, Donna. All right. So the last one my dad talked about was vision. And my father talks about vision in the terms of vision is really just seeing what needs to be done and then doing it. And that's why we call people visionaries because we're like, oh my gosh, somebody actually, because I think a lot of us see what needs to be done, but so few are um, willing, many are able to go out and do it. But what, what does vision mean to you and how do you gain wisdom and vision? Well, for me, especially in leadership, vision isn't so much about me seeing the future and knowing what direction I'm going, uh-huh. but to help others see the vision. I mean, a vision just by myself, I'm not going to make it. Um, And I'm a big uh, believer in it's who you surround yourself with, uh, even, you know, to to avoid abandonment and to avoid weariness and to avoid loneliness. You have to surround yourself with the people who are going to lift you up, the people you enjoy being around and the people who can catch your vision. Mm. Uh, So I think it's really about helping others see your vision with them in it, helping them see your vision and knowing that uh, they can be successful in what they're doing by being part of your vision, that you're elevating them uh, to be all that they can be by 
giving them a vision and helping them succeed at it. I love well, and everybody, all the great leaders have said vision has to be tied to people. But I love how you said it, it is your vision because the leader has to set the vision with them in it. So it makes that that partnership, especially when you work a lot with volunteer people, which Roaring Lambs does. I mean, we have so few people on our staff, but but we have a lot of volunteers. And that means they give you just a little time and maybe uh, a little effort. But if they can see the bigger picture, if they can see what this could accomplish, um, it, it's really great. Not only the big vision, but, you know, in ministry, which I'm in, sometimes just reaching out to one person and helping them is a huge success, more success than maybe planning a big event. Mm -hmm. And so helping them see the vision in the little things, you know, not just the major vision, but, you know, if you can put a smile on one person's face today, or if you can say something that they can walk away with and can help them for the rest of their life, I mean, it's the small visions too. It's not just the big vision. I think that's important. Absolutely. So Donna, now let me ask you this. I know a lot of people, and I'm on a lot of nonprofits um, and work with a lot, of pro a lot of nonprofits and a lot of our subscribers do run nonprofits. What do you do? I mean, running a for-profit nonprofit, different in some ways, but the leadership principles are the same. How do you get people that are just volunteers? What if there's not a shared vision congruence? What if somebody's, it's not congruent. What if somebody's kind of like, how, you know what I'm saying? How, how do you deal with that? Because I think sometimes um, people in nonprofits seem to feel like, well, if they're just kind of in, that's good because they're volunteers and that's the best I'm going to get. But, you know, we need to have really people that are all in for nonprofits, if not more, because that's focused on mission and not just money. So can you speak to that a little bit about how you really, um, as a leader, look at everybody? Because not everybody who shows up is going to really engage. Can you talk to that a little bit? I can. Uh, I try to make the volunteers feel like they're part of the staff. Mm -hmm. So I have a monthly staff meeting with the staff and all the volunteers. Okay. And of course we open in prayer and then I go around the room and I ask each person at the table what we could pray for, for them. And uh, I take the time right then and there and I just pray for everybody around the table, what their specific prayer need is. So if they get nothing else than prayer support from our organization, it's made them feel mm -hmm. committed a little bit more committed to us, a little bit more dedicated to us. And then um, at the staff meeting, we have fun. I serve refreshments and, uh, you know, make it into a motivational meeting. And, and so it involves the volunteers in more than just whatever task they're doing. They're part of the staff. They're prayed for individually. We have a good time on those uh, staff meetings, and they want to come to the staff meetings. I get them to talk about what they've contributed to the organization that month, and so they get to brag on what they've done for the organization, which again makes them want to do things for Roaring Lambs so that they can share with the other team members. I call it a team meeting. Mm -hmm. um, 
what they've done for the organization. So that's a way of holding them accountable as well. And at that meeting, I always paint the vision. I paint the vision for the month and I paint the vision for the year and where we could be in five years or 10 years or when Jesus returns. I'm so glad. Thank you. Because that is a touchy thing. And I get asked that a lot. And you sit on boards and you can kind of sense it. And that is some really great sage wisdom, the monthly staff meeting, and then constantly casting that bit. Thank you, Donna. That's absolutely brilliant, sister. Thank you so much for that. Well, uh, anything that I've learned, it's to share with somebody else. So that's a beautiful thing. Beautiful. Well, Donna, as we're wrapping this up, we've covered loneliness, weariness, abandonment, and vision. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners um, uh, from a successful leader to other leaders up and coming or just to, to share with them any experiences or wisdom or just exhortation? Um, find the fun in what you do. I mean, if it's not fun, then um, it's work. And in your work, it can be fun. And so you know, I try to uh, find that and to make work fun. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. When we had the health clubs, we would have, uh, again, a monthly meeting and we would find uh, ways to just do some outrageous things like pie throwing contest. Uh, we did a come as you are at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning meeting and everybody came with curlers and cold cream and, and, and jammies and robes on and, you know, just to find some fun ways that people want to be involved with you. They want to stay involved because uh, it's creative and it's fun. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. And just the whole idea about team building, finding the right people for the team. I'm, that's probably the most critical thing about leadership is finding the right people to be on your team. And, you know, what makes them right might not be their list of accomplishments. It might be their attitude. It might be their motivation. It might be, I don't know, just how they work with others. So finding the right people for your team is so critical. I'll tell you what, that is the biggest leadership lesson. You just said it right there. Because no matter what you see, what your vision, what you're gifting, you can't get it right without the right people. And that, I, I echo that. I, I mean, I wish I would have uh, been um, not so boneheaded earlier in my career and realized that. You hear it. But thank you for sharing that, Donna. I wholeheartedly echo that. And that is wonderful advice for the leaders out there. Excellent. Well, Donna, how can people learn more about the Roaring Lambs ministry? And especially if they're in their Texas area, how can they get in touch with you, connect with you on LinkedIn, Facebook? Tell us where to reach you. Okay. Well, Roaring Lambs is all about helping people share their faith, learning how to effectively and confidently share what God's done in their lives. So we have workshops that uh, will help you take the 30,000 foot view of your life and learn how to see God at work in different places in your life and then to how effectively share it. We have a radio show podcast called A Time to Dream that goes all over the world. And if you have a story that you'd like to share, you can contact us. Uh, And as you mentioned, we publish books and those books are collections of faith stories, God stories. 
stories where people saw God's hand at work in their life. And so we'd love to help people more effectively share their story and then give them opportunities to do that. Mm -hmm. And our website is roaringlambs.org. And I can be reached at info at roaringlambs.org. Our phone number is 972-380-0123. And so if I can help anybody out there more effectively share their story, I would love to do that. Oh, thank you, sister. And for our listeners, we're going to put all the links down there so you can uh, go back to this. And again, um, Executive Books, Tremendous Life Books, Now Tremendous Leadership has been affiliated with Roaring Lambs for many, many years. And you inducted yes. my father into the Roaring Lambs Hall of Fame, not all that many years ago, but a little while back. And it's just, it's an incredible it was a great evening. Yes, it was a great evening. He deserved it. You know what I learned about your dad? What's um, he would carry this little book around called Valley of Decision. Is that the name of the book? Uh, Valley of the Vision. Valley of the Vision. And he would go up to people, strangers, and he would say, I'm a little trouble with my eyes. He said, would you read this to me? I need to hear this again. And of course, he knew exactly what it said. He would have people read it for their sake and it would just go up to strangers and I said, and it was all encouragement, just words of encouragement. We take one page and he said, I need to hear this, but I can't read it. Would you read it to me? It was so beautiful. I did not know that. Now I knew when people came to him rather than tell them anything, he'd like just pull a book out and let them read, you know, kind of thing. But I didn't. Oh, Donna, thank you for sharing that. I thought you do it with so many people. We can do that too. That's incredible. Oh, wow. All right, Donna. Well, listen, thank you so much, Donna. What a blessing you are to me and, and to our listeners and our tremendous listeners. You hear how to get in touch with Donna. And just thank you guys so much for tuning in and have a tremendous day. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.